Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is anyone here in Christ? Do you know if you're in Christ? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And, so, and that's true of you today. If you don't know Jesus yet, I implore you to be reconciled to God through Christ. Uh, he's waiting for you to turn to him. Hello, and welcome to the FBC Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is entitled, Whole Life Discipleship by Nate Damon. It was based on Luke 10, 25-37. We hope you enjoyed today's sermon. Um, well, before we begin, I think uh, we should also be praying for Pastor Greg, who has COVID right now. So that's one of the reasons why I'm speaking to you and not uh, Pastor Greg this morning. Um, so let's pray for him, and we'll pray again that God would speak to us um, through his word and through the stories that I will share. And then I'm going to invite up Mary Campbell as well in a little bit. She's going to share also from the, the same trip. We were on the same uh, first half of the trip together, so she'll share as well. So let's pray. Um, let's pray together. God, thank you uh, again for this day. Thank you that you have given us life and breath, the ability to uh, worship you. And so God, with... Uh, for those of us who are awake, for those of us who don't know uh, what time it is, um, God, we, we choose to worship you and praise you. And um, God, we do pray for Pastor Greg. We pray that you would heal him quickly from COVID, help him to recover fully. I pray for no lingering effects. We pray that you'd also protect uh, Carolyn, his wife, and help her to not get sick too. Um, God, again, would you bless our words this morning? Would they uh, be pleasing to you? as we try to convey and communicate just part of what we see you doing around the world. And, uh, and God, would you do uh, mighty works here in this place as well? We know that you are doing them, and would you continue to do them as well? In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about this concept, this idea of whole life discipleship. And, um, and so what I want to share with you is... Um, my ideas aren't fully formed, just to warn you, okay? So it might be here, it might be there. Uh, I'm going to do my best to, to have some uh, logical flow, but um, it, may not, it may not be the case. So um, thank you in advance for some grace in that. Um, and what I want to be talking about is, is some stories. Um, I'll try to give you some context, some principles that go with them. But, um, but these are stories that are being written now. It's not, it's not neat and tidy, you know? And and so uh, it has a process to it. Um, again, I, I might be a little jet lagged, but it's not COVID. I took a COVID uh, test just for you. Um, and uh, so this, this is going to be kind of a sermon, but report combination. And, and again, I asked Mary to share it as well. And then we'll have communion together. Pastor Lily will lead us in communion. So that's kind of what we have uh, ahead of us. So I want to give you a definition of a disciple maker. In the Navigators, Navigators is a uh, an organization that, uh, that I'm involved with. It's an um, in interdenominational, uh, international organization. And we, uh, we value this idea of making disciples. And, and so we have a definition to help us understand what is a disciple maker. Not just a disciple, but someone who's interested in carrying that out to the next generation. Someone who wants to be a disciple maker. 
And so we've come up with these five things that we believe are attributes of a disciple maker. And my hunch is that quite a lot of you will identify with this as well. Okay, so this isn't, uh, this isn't like a, a, a quiz that I'm, I'm thinking you're going to uh, fail or anything like that. This is, I think, who we are and uh, who a lot of us aspire to be. And so, um, so uh, this, these are the five things. Okay, one, number one is walking with Jesus. Someone who has an intent, a desire to know Christ and to walk with him. Um, the second one is to know and live the scriptures. This is someone who is, uh, is seeking the word of God, who's reading the scriptures uh, to gain insight, knowledge about who God is and what, what he would say about our lives and how to live. And so uh, knowing and living the scriptures, that's number two. Number three is participating in community. I know for a fact that all of you have this value because you're here this morning. Uh, even you online, I, kn- I know you also um, care about community, uh, finding people who you can do life with that share your beliefs, share your values, that will encourage you to follow Jesus. And so, and that's why we come on a morning like this, is that we come together to fellowship with one another, to learn together, and to grow together. So participating community is number three. Number four is, uh, we, we believe that a disciple maker is also someone who's not just content to stay within the Christian bubble or this Christian context, but they want to intentionally live in their community, which uh, many, many of whom in our community do not yet know Christ. And so uh, that's something I know about you as well, because we, we, the, the place in the country we live in is not easy to be, it's not easy to live in a Christian bubble. We have our, our, our many of our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers do not know Jesus yet. And, uh, and so we, uh, but we want to have this uh, desire. And I know many of you and many of you have this desire to engage uh, with those people who don't know Christ yet. So that by faith that one day they will become followers of Jesus as well. The fifth thing that, uh, that is part of the definition of a disciple maker is someone who's reproducing spiritual generations. That may sound complicated, but it really just means that someone is teaching someone how to follow Jesus, but also having a vision that that person would go on to tell the next person. And we're all results of that, um, you know, from the apostles on down. You know, Jesus told the apostles, follow me, and the apostles told others to follow them. And and on and on, and now it's, it's our turn. And we're also called to make disciples and call other people to follow him. So, uh, so I'm pretty sure that, that for most of you, these five things are true. And if that's the case, then in the Navigators organization, even though you're not on staff of the Navigators, we call you Navigators as well. Okay, because that's what we think about discipleship and disciple making. All right, so uh, we had this passage that was read to you. Thank you, Chris, for uh, reading this morning. Um, and the passage is very familiar to you. It's uh, the Good Samaritan. And what that story communicated, here's what I want you to know. I, I, I'm, learning, I'm learning a lot right now, and some of you would be way more qualified to teach these things than I am. I'm new to this stuff. But I'm learning about community development, and that's part of the reason for my trip to Uganda, was to learn about community development. And some of you have been doing that for years. So, uh, so I realized that some of you, uh, this is like, you already know this, so, um, but I'm, literally, I'm just learning, and so hopefully some of you also will be learning with me today. So I, what I've learned is that there are three different kind of stages of, of uh, help, uh, helping a community that is experiencing trauma. So the three stages are relief, which is at most three to six months, uh, rehabilitation, which is like six to eight, 18 months, somewhere in that range, and development, which is a year or more. And... Um, and so the story you read about the Good Samaritan, uh, what, what stage do you think that is in? 
The first stage, yeah, relief, right? It's immediate relief. This, this, the, the person had uh, been, you know, it, it was in, in need of immediate help and immediate care. And so, and the, and the Samaritan paid for him, you know, to stay at the, the, the inn and to get care for a, a short amount of time. But that's what that person needed at, at that point. Now, if they had broken bones and other things, they might have needed to, to continue in the rehabilitation stage and continue to, uh, you know, maybe physical therapy or something like that would be a part of that. But then there's the development stage, which is helping him to go back to leading a thriving life. And so that's kind of um, the stage that we're going to be thinking about the most today. Um, so the, the, so the, we talk about this all the time, but the world has a trauma problem. And the problem is sin. And the sin is, is, uh, is most clearly seen uh, with this concept of broken relationships. Okay? Because of sin in the world, there are four broken relationships that we talk about. One is the broken relationship with God. We no longer have a connection with God. That's, you know, th- that's the result of sin. We hide ourselves from God. He's distant from us, turns his face because of our sin. Okay? Broken relationship with God. There's also a broken relationship with self. We don't think of ourselves rightly. We're ashamed of ourselves, and that causes all kinds of problems. Um, there have been recent studies about shame. I don't know if you've heard of Brene Brown. She's, done, she's a shame expert. And uh, we know that there's many um, uh, results of shame and things like that. So there's a, there's, a, there's a brokenness with our own relationship with ourselves. There's also a result, uh, as a result of sin, there's broken relationships with other people. Um, and that's nothing new. We, you know, we, we hurt one another, we injure one another um, in many different ways. And um, that's pretty clear. All of us have been on the receiving end of that, but also on the giving end of that as well, unfortunately, because of sin. Um, And there's broken relationships with all of creation. The way we've cared for God's creation is, um, we've not done a great job of it, okay? And, and, um, And so there's results of that sinning as well. Um, that contributes to the whole. So these four broken relationships, but the solution, and I'm sorry I'm speaking so fast, I've realized that I should slow down a little bit. The solution to this problem is reconciliation through Christ Jesus. And so, and you probably know this, but the gospel, the good news that's communicated through the scriptures, confirmed by the Holy Spirit, is that God sent his son Jesus to reconcile us to himself, And because of this reconciliation with God, reconciliation in all other areas is possible. Because of the authority and power of Jesus, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to see restored relationships not only with God, but with self, with others, and with all creation. And so that's kind of, so at the heart of development work, what they're trying to get at is helping to bring lasting healing in all these four broken relationships. Okay? Um, there's an amazing passage. I'll just read to you briefly. Um, I won't spend a lot of time talking about this one, but 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21 is an amazing passage all about reconciliation. So let me just read that for you uh, this morning. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is anyone here in Christ? Do you know if you're in Christ? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us 
the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so, and that's true of you today. If you don't know Jesus yet, I implore you to be reconciled to God through Christ. Uh, He's waiting for you to turn to him. God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right, so um, so we've talked about a lot already, but the, the idea here is that uh, we're, we're talking about disciple-making, and we're talking about uh, whole-life discipleship, and, so, and, and that also in the context of development. What does it look like to bring disciple-making uh, alongside community development? Is that even possible? And I think usually what we see is there are two very divided things. We say, we say that uh, community development is often the work of government and things like that, and, uh, but discipleship is the role of the church. But what if they're not meant to be separate? What if they're meant to be whole? And so I think things like the food pantry, for example, that's, that's one of the areas where we see uh, our faith at work. We see the, the church also uh, seeking to help with uh, the community in a very practical way. I think that is one example of it. But let me give you a definition, kind of the navigator's definition of whole life discipleship. Whole life discipleship is a relational process empowered by God in which experienced facilitators assist the people of a community to grow in their ability to solve their own problems. I have a slide for this, by the way, Tyler. This is one of the... Yeah, thank you. Okay. I don't know if you can read it, but I'll, we'll start again. A relational process empowered by God in which experienced facilitators assist the people of a community to grow in their ability to solve their own problems, to to take control of their lives, resulting in the growth of the whole person and improvement of the various aspects of their community, and to reproduce this process in others. Through this process, the thinking and behavior of the individuals and the community become transformed in ways that result in the community becoming all that God intends them to be for the glory of God. So, over the summer, I was in a process of learning about uh, whole life discipleship, learning with a community uh, connected with the Navigators. It was led by a lot of staff down in Atlanta, and it culminated, culminated with this trip with, uh, with the Disciple Makers for Life, which is a part of the Navigators, to go to Uganda to witness firsthand and learn firsthand what God is doing on the ground there in the city of Mbale. Okay, which is in the eastern part of the country. And so uh, in Mumbale, Mumbale uh, there's a ministry called Mission Moving Mountains, or MMM. And it's a ministry of discipling for development, which is a part of the Navigator's world missions. That's confusing. It's okay. It's, but MMM is where we were. So Tyler, if you could go to the next slide. Here's a picture of, uh, of our team that's at the, uh, this is at the end of our time in Mbale, and, um, and we had just an amazing group of people who are wanting to learn about holistic discipleship, whole life discipleship, and who are wanting to uh, take the principles they've learned and apply them wherever they are. So some people are, a lot of people are in Atlanta, but then of course Mary's there as well, and, uh, and Robert, who's from Boston, he's next to me, and then, um, and then there's uh, uh, Asfa, who's from Ethiopia. And, so, uh, and then there's some of our hosts that are there who are doing amazing work for Christ in that community. 
So that's, that's our team. And, uh, and for MMM, they, uh, they are doing this, this slow process of, of whole life discipleship with communities. So just as we talk about making disciples maybe one-to-one, one, you know, one person sharing Christ with one person who shares Christ with one person, what their vision is, is to help people who are uh, in poverty, in the villages around Mbale. They're trying to help them as communities to learn to follow Jesus and to grow holistically and then to do this, to teach others who can teach others. So they're doing, they're doing discipleship. There's some one-on-one involved, but it's community to community, which is really exciting. Um, and if you think about the disciples, that was a community. And the, that community reproduced itself. And so, uh, so it gets us thinking, how could we as a community reproduce ourselves uh, in disciple-making? So they had five phases of development. And, and so what they would do is they would uh, begin to put out feelers and begin to think, who, who, where, where's God at work? Which community could we come into to help them learn and grow? And so there's this time of preparation, and then there's a time of exploration, and then mobilization, where they're actually training leaders on the ground who are a part of these communities. They're training them, and those leader, they train those leaders. Those leaders go back into their communities and empower their communities to make amazing differences in their lives. And then they catch a vision to reproduce that same thing, that same amount of growth in a different community. So it's very slow, but it's a very effective process. This, we're talking it takes like a decade to, to learn and then to begin to think about reproducing in a different community. And so there, there are five areas of knowledge and practice that they are helping people with actively. So one is environment. So they help, one of the most basic things they do is they help people plant trees. You know, they're caring for their, their compound or their space of living, and they plant things like fruit trees. And... Um, and, and the, they teach them about uh, the soil and, and just all kinds of things. Then, okay, so and I don't understand this fully, but here are the, I'll just say the five things, okay? Here's the five things. So environment, agriculture, spiritual, health, and then income-generating activities, or they call them IGAs. So these things overlap with one another, um, but, but what we see them doing is... They're, they're incorporating this in whole life discipleship, helping people to thrive in all these different areas of life. What MMM does in these communities is they are providing knowledge and not material goods. So uh, this phase in helping people, this developmental phase, they're not bringing in uh, money, they're bringing in knowledge. And one of their, the verses that kind of inspired this, uh, this method is Hosea 4.6 where it says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And that's a, that's a verse we heard them quote multiple times where we, when we were with them. Um, so MMM comes in with knowledge, not money. As they begin to gain skills as leaders, as, as the, the leaders in those communities they identified, as they grow in skills as leaders, um, which, which is a natural product of discipleship and learning to disciple others one-on-one in small groups and in large groups, when they do that, the government starts taking notice because they're getting organized. And as they're getting organized, the government can come in and communicate with them and, and can provide some of the resources that will help them to grow. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting partnership that they, that they, they can cultivate. Um, 
All right, so let's go to the next slide because this is, this is a visit with uh, one of the communities that has successfully reproduced itself into another community. And uh, so it was a real joy to be with them for part of the day, to have a meal with them, share some time with them, and, uh, and to hear the stories of what God has done and how he's just completely transformed this community. Now, uh, let's, let's go to the next slide. So then we went with that group of people to this, this next community, which was, which was where they kind of planted a new movement. And, and it's interesting how they select, I think, if I remember the story right, part of how they selected this community was it was, it, it, we, could, we actually could walk there. We did that. We walked over to that community, crossed a crazy log bridge. It was fun. And, uh, but when we got, so part of the story, though, was that as that one community, as kind of the mother community, was growing and thriving and beginning to find things like food security again, uh, they, would, they had more food, they had more things. And as a result, this other community would come in and kind of raid them and steal some things from them. And so when they were thinking about, God, who do you want us to go help? They thought of this community that was stealing from them. And they decided to go help them learn the same principles that, that they had learned. And so they went there and started making disciples and started helping this community to grow holistically. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I think that is so amazing. That's the gospel, right? Um, so anyways, that's really exciting. I love what God is doing there. And so part of another, man, okay, there's so much to tell you. I want to spend a, a, a couple minutes telling you about a divine appointment. So, I, so here's the truth. I don't know all the reasons why I got to go to Uganda, all right? I'm learning about them. But I think that some, so I didn't go with like presentations. I wasn't going to teach them or train them. The reason I was going actually was to visit my friend named Dennis. So I should tell you about Dennis before I tell you this really cool connection. Dennis by himself, that is a cool connection in, a, in itself. So I'll tell you about that real quick. So, with, so during COVID, I had just changed, uh, changed directions with the navigators. I had been the campus director at UMass and then shortly before COVID, um, was able to take a sabbatical and then decided I'm not going to do the campus director thing anymore. I want to be more involved with reaching my community. And then COVID happened. And so, uh, so how do you, so what do you do then? Well, one of the things my supervisor had encouraged me to do was to take a coaching course so I could learn about life and leadership coaching. So I did that. It was great. I found out the Navigators had a, a coaching camp, a virtual coaching camp, and so I said, sure, I'm learning about coaching. I might as well sign up for that. So I, I took part in that. And there was this guy named Dennis who also took part in this. But he, you know, I was zooming in from Massachusetts, and he was zooming in from Uganda. And so he's originally from Rwanda, fled the genocide, settled in Uganda, settled in Kampala, and got plugged in with the Navigators, and he serves on staff with the Navigators, the same organization that I serve with. And so we got paired up randomly in, in a triad, actually, and we were coaching each other. And Dennis, at the end of our conversation, said, hey, can we do this again? And I said, sure, I've got the time right now. Let's do it again. And so, so over the next two years, I've been, you know, for the last two years, I've been meeting with Dennis. And through my connection with Dennis, he's, 
he's had other people that he wanted me to connect with and, and to help coach and things like that. And so I've met through Dennis um, several other people. So let's um, skip the next one, Tyler, and go to the, the, the yeah, good, thank you. So, so Dennis is the guy on the right in the white shirt, kind of tall, he's got a beard. That's Dennis. Now he introduced me to like four other people, but three of them are in this picture with me. On the, on the left, there's Douglas. Douglas is a lecturer at a university in Kampala. And then uh, next to me uh, is Herbert and his wife, Ava, and their baby, new baby, Shiloh, who's like, you know, two, three months old. She's really cute. So I, I've over, over two years, I've been meeting with them online. And for about two years now, Dennis had said, Dennis had said to me, when you come to visit in Uganda, <laughs> and I said, well, I don't want to go to Uganda. Like the last thing that you need is for, for some, another white guy to come in and tell you what to do. And, but, he, but he has persisted in just inviting me and inviting me to come to Uganda. And this January, my heart changed. Instead of wanting to go to Uganda to bring some message or some training or anything like that, I decided I just wanted to go see my friends and, and just to see on the ground what God is doing. And so that really became a part of my desire. And then I found out that uh, Mary Campbell was signed up for a trip to go to Uganda. And I said, oh, great. If someone, can else, if someone else could buy plane tickets for me, that'd be great. And so, so I've partnered with, with that team to go to Uganda. So the first part of the trip was in Mbale. And then the second part of the trip, I got to hang out with Dennis and my friends in Kampala and to see firsthand what God is doing among them. So in Kampala, they have several ministries. They have a neighborhood ministry. Um, one of the neighborhood ministries is that uh, Dennis lives like on the border of a slum. Actually, his house is not that impressive to any of us. It's like a, just a box and, and uh, you know, there's no running water in his house. Um, but he is, he is on the edge of the slums, and he is doing an amazing ministry with boys who are growing up in the slums. And um, he's also doing church ministry, so church discipleship ministry, as he helps Herbert and Ava and Douglas uh, to lead a church discipleship ministry at their uh, Anglican church in Kampala. And then Ava, who's in this picture, um, she is also doing campus ministry at the Uganda Christian University, which is a recent opportunity that came up. She has such a heart for disciple making. Um, and Dennis is finishing up this month, he's finishing up his undergraduate degree um, at Makerere University in Kampala. And so he's got connections at the university as well. So there's, there's all, it's a college town, right? We know what that's like. Um, so there's opportunities for ministry in the neighborhood, churches, and campuses. So I meet Dennis, uh, and, and I, he's introduced me to his friends, and I desired to go, and I got to go on this trip to see them firsthand. Now, let's go to the next picture. So the next picture here, okay, well, this is good too. All right, it's not the picture I thought, but let's go with this one. So there's Douglas in this picture. Remember, he's a lecturer at the University of Kampala. And then next to me is Joseph. Now, this was the coolest connection that I made on this trip. Joseph is the head of a department at, uh, at this university in Kampala, uh, 
what is it called? Makarere. Uh, mm, ah, that one, though. Um, not the Christian one, Makarere, okay? And he, and so he's the head of the department, and the story of how he became the head of the department is miraculous in and of itself. I met him in Mbale, okay? It was six hours away. I met him in Mbale because he's married to someone who works for Disciple Makers for Life, who works for MMM, and we went to their home for a meal together, okay? So that's, you can't plan this stuff. When I found out that he's a professor, I said to him, any chance you know my friend Dennis? He's, and then he said, oh, he's one of my best students. Coincidence, yeah. You can't plan this stuff, guys, right? Yeah, I, I could not have planned this if I had tried. So I met, so I met, I met Dennis's professor in Mbale, six hours away from Kampala. And he said, oh, when you're in Kampala, look me up. I said, okay, I would love to do that. So he hadn't met Douglas. Douglas is a believer. Douglas is making disciples in the slums with Dennis. Douglas is also helping to make disciples at his, at his church. They need to know each other. And so I got to connect them and strengthen the bond between uh, Joseph and Dennis as well. It was such a God-ordained thing. And I, I had to wonder, and, and I still wonder, maybe that was the purpose of my trip, connecting these people more, uh, more closely. Um, so, mm, yes, so let's go to, there's another, what other slide you got, Tyler? Thank you. So this is of Dennis and some of the boys. Of course, there's a young woman there too. Um, these are a few of the boys that he ministers to. One of the things he does is he rents through the money that the navigator sends him. He takes a portion of that. He rents about three houses. And again, they're just like these brick, the tile floor, um, little brick boxes. And and, but it's a safe place for people to sleep at night. And it's a place where they can make meals for themselves. And he's taught the boys, trained the boys to save money so they can buy food for themselves. They cook meals for themselves and they cooked a meal for me, which was so generous of them. And, um, and so they get together and they study the scriptures and they do life together in the slums. And they're learning and growing together. And I tell you, I believe this is the next generation of leaders in Uganda for the church. Um, so, there's more we want to do today. But let me, let me just read to you a message that Dennis sent me. He said, my, my dear brother Nathan, I really want to take this opportunity to express my gratitude. Your visit to Africa was such a huge encouragement. You allowed yourself to do unfamiliar things in order to identify with us. You ate our food without any reservations and fear. It was pretty good, by the way, just so you know. Um, though you were tired, and I was, you visited the key people in this work of the gospel, encouraging them to remain faithful. Your presence allowed us to unite, and getting to know you in person rather than behind the screen deepened our love for each other. The gifts you carried with you expressed how much you love us. We look forward to seeing you again. Thank you for the computers. I helped him raise some money to buy some computers. He wants to do a digital, digital literacy project with these boys who are growing up in the slums who never get to put their hands on a computer. And he wants to just teach them basic things, so I helped him get a few computers. 
Thank you for the computers, the clothes, the books, the study Bibles, uh, etc. Thank you for loving us, Dennis, together in our Father's harvest field. And so let's go to one, there's one final picture before I invite Mary up. Here's, here's a picture. So Dennis, and then me, and then Andrew, um, who's one of the like house leaders. And then um, Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan's a young guy. I, he's got to be in his young 20s. He's pastoring a church with people who are older than him, younger than him. It's in the slums, and he's doing an amazing job. He seems like anointed for the work. He's interested in going to some theological studies, although honestly, I think he's doing very well <laughs> as he gets, uh, as he's studying the scripture on his own and with others, and uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, uh, and for, I think for both of those guys on the right, that was their first uh, visit to the airport. They really wanted to drop me off at the airport on my way home. So, um, so anyways, it was an amazing trip. What I want to do now is invite up Mary. She's going to tell you a few things about, about the trip uh, and about another trip that she went on, the uh, connection to Croatia. So why don't you come up, use the podium, and tell us. And Tyler's got slides. Here we go. I'll have a few concluding remarks as well. Hi. So... Um as Nate said, we were together in Uganda just several days ago, and um, Nate explained some of the specifics that we learned. Um, and I'm just so amazed by what God is doing in Uganda and the way that um, this ministry D4D is able to, I mean, these are Ugandans that are doing this work and we got to learn from them. It was so exciting. Um, but I'd like to zoom out for a minute and just talk about why I specifically was there and what I do with the Navigators. Um, so my position with the Navigators is with Collegiate and I'm the Regional Missions Coordinator. So we have campus ministries all throughout New England with students involved and um, we, and my main role is to interact with all of those students and try to give them a bigger picture of what God is doing throughout the world um, and so and how they might fit into that these are these are young people they're deciding what they're going to study what their gifts are their strengths are and what they're going to do with their lives what their values are even um, and so I want to help them see how they they can fit into what God is doing in the world and um, all the opportunities that are out there for them to use their gifts and not just get a job trying to make the most money possible. Um, and so um, my hope is to have a variety of experiences. I take students on summer trips and I'd like to have a variety of experiences um, that will be of interest to students who are studying to be teachers and doctors, social workers, engineers, um, or going into ministry. Um, so this summer we sent teams to Kenya, Uganda, and Croatia. Um, so the reason I was in Uganda is there's a couple reasons. One is that I'm looking to add this as a partnership, as a student trip that we can send uh, people to every summer. Um, and it would be a trip to learn about this development work that Nate told you all about. Um, and just for students to get like a vision of like, wow, I could be a part of this. Um, and then another reason that I was going was because we've been taking students to Croatia since um, 2012 and this is a long-standing partnership that we have and 
in Croatia, we're working with some Croatians who are reaching out to a Roma village. Um, so the Roma, they're all over Europe. Um, they're, they're often struggling communities, kind of like on the outskirts of, of cities and villages. Um, and the conditions can be pretty rough in those places. And they're very, um, they're marginalized. They, you know, they look different than the general population of Croatia. And so they can be discriminated against and just kind of kept on the margins. Um, so I'm going to, I went to Uganda because I want to learn about community development and, and can I have the people that do that in Uganda teach me something and maybe even come to Croatia and help us start something there. Um, so I'm going to tell you, let's see, do we have, do I have pictures too that Nate did for me? Um, hmm? Okay. <laughs> okay, you can skip this one for now. Go to the next one. Okay, so this is, um, this is a, just a picture of the camp. Um, some of the boys, we have little boys and girls coming from this Roma village that um, this woman, Donisa, has been reaching out to um, for like six years now. And um, these children are hearing the gospel. They're coming to, they're stopping by her house on their way home from school and she helps them with whatever they need. Um, but then once a year, we bring them to camp and we bring these young Croatians to lead camp and we bring these American students to lead this camp. And it's just like this crazy mishmash of cultures, different denominations, and they just have a blast, play games, love each other, learn Bible stories. Um, and so if you go to the next slide, this is kind of just a, a personal story, like one personal story of things that are happening at this camp. Um, so this is Sarah. She's, um, she's been on staff with the Navigators for a while, and this was in 2017. So she went to this camp and just loved this little girl, Marina, who was at camp. Um, and this little girl was hearing the gospel, becoming coming to know Christ. And then if you show the next one, this is this week, right now, Sarah's back in Croatia and seeing Marina again. And Marina, you know, this, these camps and the ministry that the Croatians are doing has been integral in her life. And she is a young woman who has decided, so in the Roma villages, it's very common for girls to be um, kind of married off at around 14 years of age and to drop out of school and um, you know often it's like they're like almost like sold for a price and but Marina has been discipled by these Croatians and is deciding not to go that route but to go to university and she's actually marrying um, a young Croatian believer and she's back at camp as a leader and she is if you show the next photo, she's, she's got her little group of disciples there, um, and she's just loving them, and she's a living example of how life could be different to these girls. And so um, after, after having been doing this partnership for so many years in this Roma village, it is in a prime place. There are like over 200 kids involved that are coming up to this marriageable age of 14, and um, I think that it's my hope. So I brought two people from 
the D4D ministry in Uganda with me to Croatia, and they just helped me kind of evaluate, and we started to pray, could we do some of this development work in this Roma village in Croatia? So it's like at a really exciting place right now, um, and just the students get that we bring from America get to witness this. And so, um, yeah, I am just really excited about, by what God is doing, and um, I'd love to talk to you more personally. There's just so much more, as Nate said, that we learned and we could share, and we would love to do that. Um, but I'd love for you to pray for these things, for the, the things that are happening in Croatia and in Uganda and in the other partnerships that we're, we're trying to develop. So, thanks. So, just a couple of thoughts as we close. So, here's just an idea to think about, okay? What, so think about the Lord's Prayer, okay? Think about the Lord's Prayer for a moment. What would it look like if the Lord's Prayer were to be answered in our community? What would that look like? Um, for the Lord's name to be honored, for God's kingdom to be tangibly present, for his will to be done, for provision of daily necessities like equity and justice, right? For restored relationships, forgiveness, reconciliation. I think it would look like a community that's been developed <laughs> where there's food to eat and there's reconciliation with other people and where there's help and temptation and protection from the evil one. Um, so anyways, that's just a, that's an, that's a question I'm going to continue to ask myself. What does it look like for the Lord's Prayer, for God's kingdom really to be here among us. What would that really look like? Um, so we just want to give you an invitation to be involved. Um, there are several ways you can be involved. One, you can pray. You can pray for the ministry. Pray for the ministry that Mary is doing. Pray for the ministry that I'm doing. Pray for our friends in Uganda and in Croatia. Um, if you'd like to sign up for updates, we want to give you a way to do that. Um, so, so pull out your phone. Go ahead. It's okay. You pull out your phone. I want you to text a number. And we're not going to have it up on the screen, so I'll say it twice. But if you want to get, in, here, here's, here's what I want you to do. If you want to, if you want to, uh, if you're interested in any of this, so praying, getting updates, joining a local disciple-making community, partnering financially, uh, or if you're going to, if you think of, can think of a student who would benefit from going on one of these uh, trips, or maybe you're that student who would like to go on one of these trips, um, Text me. Text your name, your interest, and best way to contact you. And I'll give you the number. You ready? Yeah? Ready? Okay. 413-259-8180. 413-259-8180. Um, and Mary or myself will get back to you about ways to be involved. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about what we do here at FBC, please visit our website, fbcamherst.org. Also consider subscribing to this podcast so you can get a notification when our weekly sermons are posted. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.